assassin. Sounds so exotic. <laughs> I was just a murderer. to crew crime a true crime podcast with sav and matt and and today we're talking about people who have been falsely accused of murder yeah today we're talking about people who have been <laughs> falsely accused of murder <laughs> that brings us directly into our listener of the week yes it does our first email yeah too. our first email and man was this the most like direct email we've ever received yeah both individually and through the podcast yeah very direct very to the point <laughs> i yeah, really this appreciate guy knows it. what he wants yep. and so we are giving it to you mm-hmm. malachi malachi my boy malachi we got my you. guy yeah. <laughs> whoa rhyme malachi Holmes. my guy yeah <laughs> <laughs> Malachi sent us a very direct email saying, cover Joe Arity. And that so, was it. Here we have Joe Arity. That's that's what I've got for you guys today. Thanks, Malachi. <clears throat> Send us more emails, people. Please. Send us more emails, even if they're just that that direct. Like I I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it in I name. prefer it almost. Yeah, straight up. Just send us a name. <laughs> Tell us when you want it, and we'll Cover give it to you. so-and-so, and <laughs> we, we got will. you. Okay, so, Joe Arity, are you ready? This story is extremely sad. I'm okay? excited because, like, I've never heard of this before. I have never all. heard of it either. And honestly, if you look at just the Wikipedia, you're not going to find much. It's a. It looks like a small story, but then mm. you do a little bit of digging, and it's quite the story. Yeah. So, I just want to shout out to uh, ForgottenHistory.me dot me dot me is that a know, thing me okay uh, <laughs> but they were a huge resource for this story so okay. awesome just wanted to shout out mm. i'm gonna tell you about joe arity fuck all right all right <laughs> uh fair warning we're already drunk <laughs> can you <laughs> this tell motherfucker <laughs> encouraged me to chug a glass of wine before this yeah i am so. a bad influence <laughs> and now our glasses no joke are like full to, to the top, fucking brim what's up <laughs> You can tell by that clean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. For real. For real. Joe Arity. He was born April nineteenth, nineteen fifteen, in Pueblo, oh. Colorado, to parents Henry and Mary Arity. Shit. So this is an older case. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, nineteen fifteen. And honestly, like, I have no faith in the times after this story. But let's get into no it. No faith in the times. No faith in the times. I don't think I have faith in any times. So. <laughs> <sighs> you know what? You make a great point. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Spiral. Okay. Then. This wine is something else. It's my favorite. Yeah. Also, I feel like a pirate when I drink it because it's in a jug. Mm-hmm. Carlo Rossi Sangria. Drink it from a jug like a pirate. So his parents immigrated from Syria in 1909, six years before he was born. And when they came here, they didn't speak any English and they didn't really learn much English in their time here. Okay. I respect it. Do yeah. what you're going to do. Do you think? Here's the thing, though. I imagine myself going to, like, some country where I don't speak the language. Oh, my God. I would never learn it. You're telling me that I would learn a language. Oh, yeah. I'm too stupid. (laughs) I'd move somewhere and I'd be like, sorry. (laughs) I'd be like, hola. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Hey, wait. You're in Italy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How do you you say hello in Italy? Italian? Ciao? No, that's how you say bye. I think it's hi as well. Ciao? No. If you're Italian, please. (laughs) What? So his father worked for the Colorado Fuel and Iron Works, which provided the family with a small home to live in that was, like, provided by the company. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so at least it gave him a place to live. Yeah. Growing up, Joe had some mental problems that were not apparent at first, and honestly, I don't even think I could tell you exactly what they were. But, oh. the story kind of, dis- it, the story explains it, I'd say. Okay, all right. By the first grade, it had become evident that he was a little bit slower than the other kids and he wasn't catching on like they were. He was unable to keep up with them. By the time he was in first grade, like, he was only beginning to speak. And when he would speak, if he would speak, Mm. it was only, like, a few words. Did he speak in his native language or... He didn't speak. Oh, oh. By second grade, Joe's principal asked his parents to keep him home from school, saying that he was unable to learn. What the fuck? 1915. You can't decide that by someone, by the time someone's in second grade. Yeah, this guy gets through one year of fucking elementary school and you tell him and his family that he can't learn, so keep him home. What the fuck? All because he was a little bit slower and just needed a little bit more help. That's fucked up. And guidance and attention. That's genuinely fucked up. Yeah. 
Oh. Pissed me off. So Joe ends up staying home from school for the next three years. <gasps> then the Arides had another kid, which was a, a boy, and then they had a daughter. And at this point, Joe's dad had either gotten fired or quit from, like, quit his job. But honestly, it seems more like he got fired, if I'm being real. Oh. It's, it's unclear. But he began bootlegging, which is, like, illegal trade. Very nice. And then... Pirate shit. Yeah. Yes. Cheers. Carlo Rossi. Oh, my God. Oh, I just spilled God. my wine on my laptop. <laughs> Oh, watch out. Oh. Um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, he's bootlegging. He's a like, illegal trading. I wonder why it's he's called bootlegging. Of, I also wonder. I, well, bootlegging. When I read bootlegging, I was like, what the fuck's bootlegging? Illegal trade, essentially. I imagine it's like smuggling in alcohol. Like, I'm yeah, imagining no, a that's, pirate. You're right. You're, yeah? you're right. It's smuggling alcohol. Let me pull up the definition. Fuck yes. Look Hang at on. me. I'm a scholar. I go to <laughs> community be, college. <laughs> the eagle, illegal manufactured distribution... Okay. So, we can get there. We can get there. <laughs> the illegal manufacture, distribution, or sale of goods, especially alcohol or recordings. R- of what? what? Probably porn. Oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I assume. Yeah, no, that makes more sense for sure. For sure. Okay, well, now you know what bootlegging is, but you already knew. Yeah, because I'm a scholar. If any of you aren't, aren't scholars out there like me, bootlegging. Okay, there we go. Yeah. So, he's constantly in and out of jail. Apparently, he keeps getting arrested and shit. So, he's not doing so hot. And then his mom was busy with her other two kids and was overwhelmed by Joe. Like, she did not know Mm. how to deal with this kid who wasn't learning. Yeah. You know? So, Joe would spend his time totally unsupervised, just wandering around Pueblo, Colorado. Silently. Just quietly. Not really bothering anybody. At this point, he's probably, like, like, fifth grade. Damn, they're just letting him roam the streets? Well, they don't know what to do with him. That's crazy. Shocking, if you are if you ask me. Yeah. Like, just, like, give him a little bit of understanding. I mean, That's you would you hope, but okay. it's 1915. Back then, they were like, eh. No faith in the fuck. times. <laughs> no faith in the times. The neighbors didn't really like Joe for some reason. I think everybody was, for some reason, so put off by this guy. And he's just a kid. Yeah. He's just a kid. And he didn't he didn't seem to be really causing any problems either. He was just minding his business and being not as smart as everybody. Yeah. And people hated him for it. I mean, that's fucked up. But also, like, I don't know, back in the day, I guess this was like 1915, so it's not that far away. Well, I guess at this point, it's probably like 1920s. Okay. But back then, like, weakness meant, like, death. Yeah. You know what I mean? As you show weakness, you're not a man, you can't yeah. do this shit. Like, you're kind of fucked. <sighs> like, you're genuinely fucked. So people probably were just, like, super down on him. I gotta say, you're gonna learn in this story, Joe was severely fucked. Yeah. But not in a way where it's like, oh, fucked like Richard Ramirez is fucked. He's like, he's just got fucked by life. Life. Straight up. No one was looking out for this kid. That's no. really sad. Ugh. His parents are overwhelmed, right? They're like, we don't know what to do with him, and his dad's constantly in and out of jail, and his mom doesn't know what to do. So, his parents go to the neighbors and are like, what do you guys think we should do? Obviously, <laughs> all the neighbors hate him, so they're like, commit that guy. Oh my god! Commit him. Yeah. What the fuck? And he's so young. Fifth grade! Yeah, they're like, commit him. So, that's exactly what they do. They go oh. to stand before the Pueblo District Court, and Joe was committed to the Colorado State Home and Training School for Mental Defectives at Grand Junction in Colorado. For mental defectives? For mental defectives. It's apparently a home and training school. That's fucked up. Essentially, though, it's an insane asylum. Like, that's bottom line what it is. Well, just the title of it is really fucked up. Yeah. And I feel like in the early 1900s, like, that's an insane asylum, bro. Oh, yeah. And a horrifying place, I imagine. While he's at the asylum, it's determined that Joe's IQ is extremely low. It's only 46, which is about equivalent to a six-year-old. Oh, wait, you said 46? 46. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And they equivalent that to a six-year-old. From looking at my notes, I think, like, the average IQ for Americans is somewhere between 85 and 115. I think we've talked about this before. Yeah. So 45, that's pretty fucking low. Yeah. This poor kid. The average IQ for an American is between 85 and 115. A scholar, folks. (laughs) Maddie on the pod. Dude, oh my god, you know what we should do before the next episode? We should do IQ tests. Oh my god. Because we're always talking about that shit. (laughs) I'm gonna be... I'm stressed, but get ready for our IQ test. Oh my god, okay, send us some emails, some DMs, some whatevers. What do you think our IQ is gonna be? Send us... Some DMs. Please. <laughs> Let An us email. know how true smart crime, you think we're going to be. <laughs> <laughs> gmail.com. 
I'm actually really excited. If we'll we take those right after now. this. We'll take those. Oh, wait. We'll be drunk. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take those later. <laughs> but I can't wait. Oh, my God. Really, though, tell us what you think. I think I'm going to shoot for a solid, like, 100. I'm really hoping for a 100. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> I don't oh, I just goose laughed. <laughs> calm down. Calm down. <laughs> okay. Well, fucking good luck, bro. I don't even think you need it. You're a scholar. I am a scholar, yes. Thank you. Okay, so after he was in the asylum for only nine months, his dad decided, I fucking miss Joe. Maybe that wasn't the right decision. So he petitions a judge for Joe's release, which is granted, and upon returning home, he was once again left unsupervised and left to wander around Pueblo, Colorado. Okay, so not great. No. Not great. No, but apparently, like, in that home, he was not being treated well. Like, the other kids would, like, beat him and abuse him, and, like, nobody was patient with him, and no one was very understanding of him, so it's not like the home was really all that good for him. Yeah. But then he's like, oh, his dad misses him. I'm gonna get him out of there just to be neglected again. Yeah. And clearly, like, at this point, I think he's, like, 14, and he is being... Neglected? Yes, severely, And but he only has the IQ of a six-year-old. Yeah, that's really You sad. can't be neglecting this kid. Yeah. But, I mean, his parents should have known just from the title of that school. Right. They're like, oh, the training home for lesser thans. Yeah. I'm like, dude. D- the f- Defective. You really got to throw that in the name? Yeah, that's... It pretty, Hell no. Pretty fucked up. So, when Joe was 14, he was gang raped by a group <gasps> of older African-American boys during which an officer happened to pass. Oh, no. He's being gang raped by no, this group of no, boys. No, 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 The officer passes by and breaks the situation up, saving Joe... From all of that bullshit, right? Okay. So you'd think, oh, what a savior. But oh, no. no, turns out the officer was a straight up dick because then he writes a letter to the training school for mental defectives where Joe had just been. And in this letter, he writes, I picked him up this morning for allowing some of the nastiest and dirtiest things done to him <gasps> that I've ever heard of. This boy must be returned. What? The people of the neighborhood are indignant as they are afraid of the boy and think he should have never been turned loose. Oh my god. This asshole cop. Are you fucking- No, I'm straight up. He got gang raped. He got gang raped. And he's- He can't even- He's a people- Okay, so Joe is a people pleaser, alright? Yeah. Joe just wants to make everybody happy, but Joe doesn't even know how to comprehend his own happiness. He is six years old. Yes. So, keep that in mind. And nobody's keeping it in mind. Oh my god. Nobody. So, next thing you know, he's returned to the asylum. Because he got gang raped? Yeah, but nobody even understands that he... Because this officer's a dick and is like, oh, he's allowing that. What the fuck? Yeah. Did I tell you this story was going to piss you off and make you upset? Because You told me it was going to make me sad. Oh, it's sad. It gets way worse. I can't wait. Yeah. (laughs) I'm in the mood. Bring (laughs) me down, dude. Crying all day. So, (laughs) get ready. Okay, so back at the asylum, Joe was put in a ward specifically for sexual deviance. What? Mm-hmm. Based off of this letter that that officer wrote, where basically the staff was keeping watch 24-7, make sure no one was fucking, masturbating, any sexual anything. It was like they were, as I read it, trained and ready no. to stop anybody Okay. <laughs> committing any sexual deviancy. Trained and ready. Trained and ready. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Ready to stop. So Joe didn't belong in this ward, obviously, because he was six years old, essentially, and raped. Yes. Gang raped. Yes. But nobody gave a shit. He was stuck in that sexual deviancy ward, although in the entire time he was there, nothing ever came up in his file. No incident of sexual deviancy ever popped up in his file. Well, like, other people not. who were actually sent to the sexual deviancy ward before sexual deviancy which really come on i mean the people who were sent there like yeah they'd have like records where they'd be caught masturbating or some shit like that but not joe because he didn't deserve to be there no he was six yeah on august 9th 1936 making joe around 21 years old at this point Mm. joe and three other patients escaped the home by running out to the railroad tracks which were right near the asylum way to go joe and yeah they snuck a ride in one of the boxcars of a train my guess, honestly, is that Joe was like, yeah, I'll come. Yeah. You know? He's like, I would love to. Well, I'm really hoping that these other boys were just, like, looking out for him. Yeah, they're, they're like, like, you are taking Joe. out of here, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope so, too. I hope so, too. Oh, that kind of warms my heart, actually. A little, a little bit. little prison break. That's yeah. nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when they get back to town, Joe stayed in a train yard while the rest of them wandered off into town, but he just Hmm. wandered the train yard. The three boys come back, all four of them hop on a train to go back to Grand Junction, where the asylum was. They went back back. to that town. And it seems like the three other guys gave up on going on the run. Like, they went back. (gasps) 
But Joe did not. Fuck yes, Joe. Yeah, Joe did not. He does not know. No one knows. No one saw him. He has no memory mm. of what happened over the next eight days. Uh, well, here's my question, first of all, before we continue on with okay. this entire podcast. <laughs> okay. Should I be rooting for Joe? Root for Joe. Okay, okay. Fuck, Root for okay, Joe. Good. Fucking. I don't want to be sitting here being like, fuck years. yeah, without him no, actually being No, be fuck yeah person. and be genuinely fuck yeah okay, for good. this guy. Good. All right? I mean, who am I to say? <laughs> but I'd say be like, yeah, fuck yeah. Okay. Let me take a sip of my wine. <laughs> See you. My wine. <laughs> My wine. <laughs> My wife. That's good. That's oh good. No. You snorted. Snorting, Snorting on, on the pod. <laughs> My wine. <laughs> okay, so there's other guys. Okay. <laughs> they go back, right? But no one knows where Joe is. Eight days go by where Joe has no idea what he was doing. Nobody saw him. Nobody was with him. But he ends up on August 20th in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Oh, shit. Okay. So all the way from Grand Junction, Colorado, up to Cheyenne, Wyoming. He made quite a little journey there. Quite a journey that he doesn't even recall. Damn. And then there in Wyoming, he meets Mr. and Mrs. Glenn Gibson. They were working the railroads. They were in charge of a kitchen car, and they offered him food in exchange for work. They're like, wash the dishes, we'll feed you. Fuck yeah. We'll like kind of take care of you. So he stayed working in the kitchen of the train, washing dishes for only a few days, but the train was moving too far east, and they were only taking like employees with them. Mm. So they were like, sorry, Joe, like, you gotta go. You can't come any further east with us. So Mrs. Gibson drives him back down to Cheyenne, Wyoming get back down to that train yard and there he was arrested by railroad detectives he was arrested for vagrancy for wandering for just being homeless yeah Yeah. vagrancy is the stupidest charge i could ever hear of in my entire life don't even get me started yeah it fucking pisses me off yeah it literally like what the what the fuck what the fuck people don't choose to be homeless they can't be like oh you got me i'll go back to my house look at the life joe arity has lived already Mm -hmm. what do you expect yeah what do you what do you want from him He's just trying to get by, dog. Shit pisses me off more than most things. Yeah, no, same. Mm. So, he's picked up by railroad detectives. They pass him off to Laramie County Sheriff George J. Carroll, who I fucking hate. Okay, fuck you, George J. I Carroll. I literally <laughs> fucking hate this guy. I'm already on board. Mm-hmm. But to everybody else, he's a very charismatic guy. He's a people person. He's very persuasive, experienced in the law, loved by the media, and very trusted by the people of Laramie County. So a pillar of society. Apparently. Like many of the serial killers that we cover in this fucking podcast. Yeah, I would say. A pillar. (laughs) I'm gonna say right now, this guy didn't kill anybody. I wouldn't think so. But essentially he did, so. Fuck. Let's get into that. Oh, fuck. Well, actually, I have a whole story to tell you, but we will get into that. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, back in Joe's hometown of Pueblo, Colorado, there was a massive situation going on. On August 2nd, which was about a week before Joe ran away... He's been gone for quite some time. Yeah, I would think so. But about a week before he ran away from the asylum, two elderly women, R.O. McMurdy and her aunt Sally Crumpley, they were like 50-something and 70-something. Okay. Interesting names. Interesting names. R.O. McNally? McMurdy. McMurdy? McNally, that was nice. And something Crumpley? Yes, Sally Crumpley. Okay. Yeah. Two elderly women, niece and aunt had been sleeping in their home when someone broke in and attacked them with a hammer. Fuck. Yeah. The older lady, Sally Crumpley, ended up dying from school wounds. However, Mrs. McMurdy, R.O. McMurdy. I feel like you tell me about a lot of old ladies getting fucking attacked by people. Surprisingly, I feel like I do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know what's up with that. Fuck, all right. I I hate that old ladies get murdered, but I I hate that anyone gets murdered. Leave old ladies alone. And everyone. Yeah, I was going to say, leave everyone alone. <laughs> Just leave everyone alone, goddammit. I know. But two weeks later, August 15th, only three bucks. <laughs> two weeks later. Three bucks. <laughs> two weeks later, August 15th, only three blocks from the attack on the elderly women. Okay. 15-year-old Dorothy Drain and her 12-year-old sister, Barbara, were at home sleeping. Their parents were out at a charity dance, so nobody was home. It was literally just the two young teenage girls. Fuck. And someone broke in the home and attacked them both with a hatchet. (gasps) The intruder raped Dorothy, who had died during the attack. She got a hatchet directly into her brain, killed her, and he was probably, like, more than likely raping her dead body. Oh, no. Barbara survived. The younger sister survived, but in a coma. Fuck. 
Fucking Christ. Mm-hmm. Oh my Nobody god. Nobody knows who this attacker is. Nobody knows what's going on, but everybody's stressed. The crimes were linked, obviously, like the same person had to have committed these crimes. Yeah. So a $1,000 reward was put out for the the person responsible. Anybody okay. who was able to like turn them in or had any information. Nobody knew who it was though. So the police were questioning all of like the sexual criminals in the area. They were going pretty hard. Like things got so intense that they even shot and killed a man that they were interrogating because he was resisting arrest. Oh. They were like, they were like, had plans to interrogate him and this guy was resisting, so the police straight up shot him. (laughs) Turns out it wasn't that guy. Yeah, what's new? Shooting innocent people? That doesn't happen anymore. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about, 1915? (laughs) What? Oh, God. I've never even heard of that shit. No, Hmm? fuck, what? So with these murders having just happened and Joe having just been picked up by this Sheriff George J. Carroll asshole bitch ass. Okay. What, douchebag edgelord? Yeah. Is he an edgelord? Oh my god, he's not an edgelord. Oh, I was gonna say, is this an emo cop? (laughs) (laughs) Is this a goth ass cop? Hold on, let me retract, retract. (laughs) Just a douchebag fucking bitch ass cop. (laughs) You fucking bitch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fucking move. If you guys haven't seen that video, please go on YouTube right now and look up Why Don't You Move? And you're going to find the best video you've ever seen in your life. (laughs) You don't laugh as hard as we did. Maybe you just don't get comedy. I don't think you do. (laughs) Why don't you move? (laughs) Fucking move! (laughs) Anyways. Sheriff J. Carroll needs to move the fuck on out of this story, but he's not gonna. Oh, so, I'm really not excited for I feel like there's going to be... Let me make some predictions about this predict, story. Predict, predict. I don't know if I can confirm nor deny. But there's going to be a lot of fucked up police shit where yeah, maybe relatively. they are not investigating as well as they should have. Maybe they're blaming some wrong people. Yeah. That type of shit going okay. on. And I think someone's going to get falsely accused here. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, it's almost like we're doing an episode on falsely accused. It's maybe like I'm psychic. I think it might be. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Okay, you ready? You need to drink that. I know. Maddie is insane. Oh, that's my glass that's really making that. I'm so sorry. Let me catch up. I've been talking. You have been. That's okay. (laughs) You have reason. Mm. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Full vampire. Spilling on my laptop. That asshole sheriff, George J. Carroll. Like, he finds out, oh, Joe's from Pueblo. All of these crimes have been happening in Pueblo. This Joe guy is super fucking off and has no idea where he's been. Let yeah. me just ask him some questions about those crimes. So he's asking very suggestive questions. Oh, and Joe no. being the people pleaser he is, he's giving... He's like, yeah, you want me to have done that? I've done that. Oh, no. He's like, yeah, me, absolutely. I did that. He just is, like, giving this guy what he wants, you know, because he thinks that's what he needs to do. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I can, like, understand from the cop's point of view because, like, he's from Pueblo. You're going to, like, connect the dots, right? I agree. You don't think that George J. Carroll's an asshole yet. Yeah. But, like, why would you be asking suggestive questions in the first place when you want to just know the truth? Right. And keep in mind, at no point is he recording any of this. He's not even taking notes. He's just... Asking these questions, Joe is saying, next thing you know, he, this guy thinks he's gotten a confession out of Joe. That's some shoddy police work. This guy's in fucking Cheyenne, Wyoming. Yeah. Okay? Laramie County, Wyoming. Mm. But he happens to be BFFs with the chief of police in Pueblo, so he knows all Fuck. the deeks. So he calls up the chief of police, and he's just like, hey, we're holding a yellow here who says he killed the little drain girl in your city. What does yellow mean? He's from Syria. His parents <gasps> are from Syria. So some racist shit, then. Some severely racist shit. We're holding a yellow here that murdered your drain girl? Yeah, so the girl's name is Dorothy Drain. Oh my god, fuck this guy already. He says, he's a nut, can't even read or write. He's told us two or three different stories. So he's not even just confessing to your story, he's telling you two or three different stories. Yeah. But he seems to know all about the drain murder, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's the man you want fucking christ dude okay so a racist asshole but Mm. again i do see his point but also take into account this guy just told you two or three different stories and can't even read or write and he has an iq of what 45 i don't know that yet but he can't even read or write yeah so take that into account (sighs) chief of police was shocked he almost dropped the phone he says when he heard this since he thought he had already caught the man responsible for the murders Hmm. for six days a man named frank aguilar had been in police custody They had been trying, like, relentlessly to coax a confession out of this guy, who they really firmly believed did it. 
He was a 35-year-old Mexican native hired and fired by the girl's father. He was a suspect because he had shown up to Dorothy Drain's funeral even though he had been fired by the family and he had been acting super suspicious at the funeral. Ew. The police skipped on getting a warrant, went right to this guy Frank Aguilar's house, and they found a hatchet with nicks on it that the coroner believed matched the cuts in Dorothy's head. Fuck. They didn't get a warrant, though. Okay. So that's a little bit iffy. Well, this was back in the day, man. I feel yeah. like you could do jack shit yeah, back nobody in the day. gave a shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no warrant? Fuck. Still going strong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no probable cause? Still going strong. Still going strong. <laughs> oh, you have a hunch? Let's follow it. Let, let's not no even evidence? just follow it. Let's just take it. Yeah. Let's roll with it. <laughs> let's fully go in. Another thing is Frank Aguilar had been at the house earlier the day of the murder and had overheard that the parents were going to be out at a charity dinner. Oh, fuck. So... It's, like, makes sense, like, oh, maybe it was this guy, you know? So, the police in Wyoming had a confession with no evidence from Joe Arity, but in Pueblo, they had Frank Aguilera with evidence but no confession. So, the police in both states exchanged multiple phone calls, after which, apparently, Joe provided details that matched the crime. Okay. Like, the more that they were like, let's talk to Joe about this, the more Joe was giving them, even though it was really them giving him information and him just confirming it. Okay. There is no actual confirmation on on what exactly was said. Nothing was recorded. No notes were taken. There was no nothing. So we just have to trust everything that Mr. Smooth talking fucking Sheriff George Carroll here. It's still your rum at the point of a gun. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. You're a fucking wanker. Oh my god, that shit's so good. So we just have to trust that Mr. Smooth talking Sheriff George J. Carroll here was telling the truth about everything that happened in these discussions. But honestly, who am I to say? I don't know. I have very similar stories in that aspect. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So while the chief didn't want to announce that an arrest had been made, even though they had now arrested both Frank Aguilar and Joe Arity for these crimes... Oh, so they already arrested them. Oh, Frank Frank Aguilar had been arrested for six days. Okay. They had just been trying to get a confession out of him, even though they were planning to take him to court regardless. Okay. Whereas... Joe Arity, after this conversation between the chief of police and this bitch-ass sheriff, then they were like, okay, let's arrest him too. Oh, that's fucked up. All right. Yeah. The chief didn't want to announce that the arrest had been made or anything, but Sheriff Carroll was fucking more than stoked to tell everybody. He goes to the press. He tells them that he had obtained a confession for the Dorothy Drain case, which sparked absolutely everybody, like media-wise, everybody's interest. And he gave interviews. He told the paper that Joe had committed the crimes just to be mean. Okay, what? What? Just to be mean. Fuck this guy. Okay. And he gave other false details about the crime. Next thing you know, everybody all over is talking about Joe Arity. It is like a well-known story. It's popping. Okay. Sheriff Carroll gets worse, bro. When the DA begins talking to the press as well, he felt, like, Sheriff Carroll felt threatened because the DA was being so much more calm and mild about the situation, being a little bit more humble, being like, we don't really know things. As you should be, yeah. Yeah, but Sheriff Carroll is like, what? So he gets threatened, he starts going to the media more. He tells them that he got Joe, like, how he got Joe to confess by playing on the whole sexual deviancy thing that had been in his record. Okay. He said that the only thing that he could possibly get Joe to talk about was women during the whole thing. What? Keep in mind that none of these supposed conversations or confessions were ever recorded, written down, notated, or anything, so everything that Sheriff Carroll is telling the police is coming straight from his mind. There is nothing to back it up. Oh, that's so fucking sketchy. The investigation in Pueblo is continuing. Conveniently, a witness comes forward saying that they had seen Joe in town at the time of the murders, and the witness claimed he actually sold a pistol to the guy. And he didn't, The eh? pawnbroker says that the guy he sold the gun to gave the name Joseph Arity, which raises a very interesting question, okay? Because Joe Arity is Joe Arity. His name is not Joseph. He's not Joseph. Okay. His name is Joe Arity. Hmm. So, why is this guy saying he sold a gun to someone named Joseph Arity unless maybe someone impersonated him or it never happened? Or someone named Joseph Arity bought the gun. Maybe. Joseph. I wouldn't be surprised not by Joe. That. Yeah, no. Joe's name is Joe Arity. Okay. So... Hmm. Another interesting thing to note is that Joe had no money when he left the fucking asylum. Of he course. had no money. He had no way of obtaining money. He, he was just working for food and shelter at that point. Along with that, the gun was never recovered among any of Joe's items. Mm. So I really don't think at any point did Joe Arity, maybe Joseph Arity did. Yeah. Who the fuck knows? But at no point did Joe Arity buy a gun. 
In my personal And, opinion. like, at this point, he's still at the mental age of a six-year-old, right around there, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that doesn't change. I don't think that he would even know what to do with a gun then. No. Like, I really don't. I don't no. think he would even have the mind to purchase no. that. No, and I mean, granted, he has lived so many years of life. So he of has, course. It's not of like course. he doesn't have, like, some level of life experience, but that doesn't mean that he has any more intelligence to deal with that. Yeah, of course, yeah. S- nobody's helping him, really. Mm-hmm. So, I would say absolutely no one is helping him. No, I would say no one's helping him. So we still have to deal with the guy, Frank Ag- Aguilar. Who is this guy? How is he involved? Did he really commit the crime? What the fuck's up with him? Yeah. Police believe that he was definitely involved in the crimes, but he they also seemed to be like, okay, how can we use him to nail Joe Arity? Okay. I can't explain it any better than that. I don't understand it in any way other than that. Than them being like, how can we use Frank to help take down Joe? How can we use Joe to help take down Frank? So they're trying to take him both down. Yes, but why Joe? I... <laughs> They probably just thought he was it. Frank makes sense. Yeah. Well, because he was, like, a former employee, like, all that shit, right? Yeah, Frank makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Joe is in no way connected, and keep in mind, the first murders of, like, the older women were committed when he was still guaranteed at the asylum. Okay, what the fuck? Right? How? So, I don't know. Did police just know know this, and they just gloss over it? They glossed over it very clearly. Shit pisses me off. They were placing ideas into Joe's very impressionable fucking mind... And Joe starts talking about a man named Frank that he had been... I am assuming here that he had been told about. Yeah, of course. So upon meeting in the chief's office in Mm -hmm. Pueblo, Colorado, Frank happens to be brought in at the same time as Joe. And Joe goes, that's Frank! (gasps) And points at Frank. Fuck. So that kind of puts a nail in his coffin a little bit, I gotta be honest. Yeah. Joe, after this, admits to two more crimes that would have been absolutely impossible for him to have committed. Oh, God. Yet he still confesses to them because he's a people pleaser and if someone asks him about a crime, he's going to say, yeah, I did that. And they didn't fact check this? They didn't see his history? The didn't care. Anything? They were going to use him to nab Frank. They were going to use Frank to nab him. It did not seem to matter. So for the next five days, Frank Aguilar is refusing to confess. And he's sitting through hours and hours of interrogation. And then on September 2nd, two weeks after Frank Aguilar had been initially arrested, he finally confesses. This confession was actually taken down. It was fully witnessed and recorded by a court reporter. Okay. Frank says that on the day of Dorothy Drain's murder, he had overheard that the parents weren't going to be home that night. So he went to the house, waited for them to leave, then went in and attacked the girls with a hatchet. During, so he fully fesses up to this crime. Yeah. Frank Aguilar, likely the guy who fucking did this shit. I'm going to say most likely the guy that did this shit. Right? Yeah. He fully confesses to it. During this confession, the DA kept on asking about Joe, being like, like, just inserting Joe into the story and being like, this happened, right? An example of this is the DA asks, so then Joe assaulted the big girl, didn't he? Frank would say, yeah. Or after, or, or he says, after Joe got through assaulting the girl, what did you do to her? And then Frank would say, oh, I hit her. But he wouldn't be like, oh, Frank wasn't, or Joe wasn't there, or like anything like that. Okay. So the DA is just placing him into the crime, and Frank is like, yeah, 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 whatever. (sighs) Doesn't seem very convincing to me that Joe was actually there. Dude, uh, there's something that, like, weighs so heavy in my heart about, like, injustice like this. Fucking Christ. Okay. It gets worse. Okay. (sighs) So then Frank says that the two of them split up after the crime, never seeing each other again. That him and Joe never saw each other again. So they never knew each other before, and they never knew each other after. They just got together for the crime. Mm -hmm. But the way Frank tells the crime, he's really telling it as if he did it alone. And the DA is being like, but then Joe did this, right? And Frank's like, yeah. What the fuck? If you're already confessing, why wouldn't you just be like, no, it was just me? Right? Why are you roping this guy into it? Yeah, I don't... Well, but here's the thing. I feel like the police were kind of pushing it. Not only were they probably pushing it, but they were probably, like, being kind of brutal about it. Probably. They probably were. And it took two weeks to get Frank to confess. Yeah, so... What were they pushing on this guy? Yeah. You know? Frank says that he met Joe by chance and found out about his sexual deviancy. What is his sexual deviancy? The police told him that there was sexual deviancy and that's how he met Joe. I really fully believe that. I don't know. I don't know. You guys can literally say whatever the fuck you want. I'm a little drunk and I don't give a shit. (laughs) But I fully think that the police crafted this whole goddamn thing. Well, yeah, that's the only thing that makes sense. Because literally Joe doesn't have sexual deviancy. He was raped. Malachi, tell us what you think. (laughs) Tell us what you think. Are you still listening, Malachi? I don't even get him to send me an email. 
Malachi, more than anyone, I want to know what you think since yeah. you requested this story. It's a phenomenal story, and I'm glad you did. I'm going to think he's on Joe's side. I hope you're on Joe's side, bro. Yeah. Frank says okay. that together, the two of them, Joe and Frank, sat on the side of the house waiting for the girl's parents to leave. They waited about 10 to 15 minutes after the parents left to make sure that the girls were asleep. Then they broke into the house. They found the girls, hit Dorothy multiple times with the hatchet. <gasps> then Frank started to rape her. Barbara woke up during this and yelled for them to get out, to which Frank responded by hitting her with the blunt edge of the hatchet, which knocked her out. Fucking Christ. He says he then raped Dorothy, then Joe did. Then Frank hit Dorothy again with the hatchet, even though she was already dead at that point, most likely. Yeah. Then the two split up. Joe, being extremely agreeable, was like, yeah, 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 totally, that's what happened. Are you serious? Not in those words, That but makes yeah. me so sad. And here's the thing. I don't think Joe understood. No. I don't think Joe even kind of understood what he was he was saying. Yeah, 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 I did. Of course not. Think about you when you were six years old. There is no fucking way. Mentally, he's six this whole time. Yeah. That doesn't change. I'm about to start sobbing. Yeah. This guy... He's six years has old. Has no idea what he's saying yes to, and he's been saying it this whole time. Yeah. And nobody, for some fucking reason, is giving him even the smallest benefit of the doubt that, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's saying. Yeah. And I think, like, what is so fucking sad is, like, police coercion, like, when you're doing it with, like, a grown person, it's, like, violence. Yeah, It's, like, threats, you know, shit like that. Intimidating. But when someone's mental age is six years old, all you have to tell them is that you're a friend and you just need to tell them what they need to hear. Exactly. And then what are they going to do but want to tell you what you want to hear? Exactly. That is so fucking sad. And the fact that at no point anyone did the smallest amount of research or tried to give this guy the smallest amount of just understanding. Yeah. Oh my god, I think this is the first. I'm crying on the pod. <laughs> I cry on the pod all the time, but this is a first for Mads. And I told you, bro, it's yeah. gonna make you even more sad as the story goes on. It's fucking heartbreaking. I'm literally sobbing. I so. <laughs> Can't even see my screen. <laughs> it's okay. Hey, um. <laughs> drink some wine about you can tell I'm drinking some, can't you? <laughs> I have tears actually streaming up my face. Oh my so. god. Joe was given a court-appointed attorney and initially pled not guilty, just flat. But this was withdrawn once he got his court-appointed... Appointed... When Joe was given his court-appointed attorney, his attorney cared. Good. And his attorney acknowledged, like, this is not this guy's fault whatsoever. So his attorney worked really hard and came back in, withdrew his not guilty plea, Mm -hmm. and replaced it with a not guilty by reason of insanity. Insanity, I don't agree with it. Here's the thing. I agree with it in the sense of insanity, meaning he doesn't know what he was doing. Yes, but he wasn't involved in any part. In any sense. So. No. He should not have been charged with this whatsoever. But because he's in this situation, what is his attorney going to do but be like, hey, not guilty by reason of insanity because he didn't, if he, even if he did do it, long shot, okay? Even if he had done it, there's no way in fuck this guy knows the implications of anything that he's done. No, yes. So, not guilty by reason of insanity. By law, this meant that Joe would have a trial to determine his sanity before any possible murder trial could come into place. Okay. His sanity trial took place February of 1937, and Joe's attorney was feeling really good about his case. He was like, okay, this is the sanity trial. It is going to be so easy to prove to them that Joe does not, he cannot be implicated for this crime. Yeah. Joe was examined by three different psychiatrists who all agreed that Joe was, in quotes, incapable of distinguishing between right and wrong, and therefore would be unable to perform any action with criminal intent. I mean, I That's would agree what they're with determining. That. And a hundred percent, all three of all three of these these psychiatrists testified in court and told how they came to their conclusion, and they were like, "He is not fit to stand trial." Yeah, all of, of the not. psychiatrists. He's agreed. six years old. Literally, all of them agreed. Then, in his own trial, Joe goes up to the stand, which I think is a good move. If I'm if I'm going to be a hundred percent, I think okay. that's a good move. Joe testifies in his own trial, and it was extremely compelling. His attorney asked him 22 very basic questions to show that Joe did not think the way that others do, nor was he totally up to par, like, mentally. Like, that was the goal in putting him on stand, is showing him, like, when he is asked a question, how does he answer, you know? So I'm going to rattle off just, like, a couple of these questions for you and the answers. Okay. Do you know what an oath is? No. Okay. 
Yeah, then fucking know what an oath is. Yeah. And he had to take an oath to go on the stand. Yeah. Okay. Who is Franklin Roosevelt? He just didn't answer. Do you know what the hearing is about? No. Fucking Christ. Can you write? Sure. Can you write anything besides your name? No. Fuck. These are the questions. Fuck. 22 of them. The cross-examiner comes in and tries to ask questions that they think would show that Joe does know what he's talking about, does know what's up. Okay. This guy comes up here and he tries to get him kind of talking about perverse fantasies. An example of the questions that the the cross-examiner asked was, where are you going tonight, Joe? Back to Grand Junction, Joe says. Okay. Why are you going back to Grand Junction? He says, I like the place. You want to do what you like to do, don't you, Joe? Yes. Okay. Do you like girls? Pretty good. Okay. And this cross examiner is like thinking he's getting the world out of Joe, thinking he's like, you're going to see that this guy is obsessed with girls and would murder them. So next on the stand comes Sheriff Carroll. Okay. okay. This fucking bitch ass who gets up there, completely overshadows all of the testimony that everybody has heard before. They, it completely overshadows Joe having testified in his own trial. All of the psychiatrists and everything, Sheriff Carroll gets up here and he's just like explaining his history with criminals and explaining how it's very clear to him that Joe does know right from wrong. Being like, oh yeah, when he confessed to me, this is what he said. Yeah. Again, no record of that, but mm-hmm. he is saying that in court and everyone is accepting that as truth. Ugh. So with that, the jury deliberates and find Joe to be legally sane. So next Ugh. comes murder trials. Can I ask you for something real quick? Can I see a picture of Joe? Yeah, I would happily show you. I would love to see Joe. a picture. I just want to know, like, he's a sweet-looking guy. I'm a visual learner. You he's know what I mean? I need some guy. like visual shit to see what's going on right now. Okay, let's see. Oh, he's actually very handsome. He is very handsome. He's super handsome. Oh my gosh. Okay. And you know what? Everybody who knew him says he's a very loving fucking guy. I don't doubt it. So. Oh, he's six. So. Loving as shit. <sighs> Here comes some murder trials. Are y'all ready? I'm not. I'm really not. I'm really. I want this to end happy for Joe. I really do. I want that as well. But I know it's not going to. I fucking know. Real quick, I'm going to briefly cover Frank in this situation. Frank Aguilera. December 15th of 1936, Frank goes to trial for the rape, assault, and murder of Dorothy. And how old were these girls again? Hiccuping. (laughs) (laughs) These girls were 15 and 12 at the time of their murders. fucking Christ. He was also charged, Frank Aguilera was also charged with the assault and murder of the elderly women that I mentioned before. Okay. So they were like, you committed the first murders, you committed the second murders. Okay. I think that he was the only one who committed any of the murders. I'm gonna be inclined to agree with you so far. Yeah. The key witness in his trial was Barbara Drain, Dorothy's little sister who ended up in the coma. Okay. She fully recovered after two weeks in her coma and was able to remember that night. Fuck. In the trial, when the DA asked if the man was in the room, Barbara says yes, walks up to Frank Aguilera, or Aguilera, I'm so sorry. Aguilera. Walks up up to Frank Aguilera and points at him. Okay. The jury took possibly less than half an hour, it's not confirmed, but possibly less than half an hour before coming back with a guilty of all charges verdict. During the trial, nobody even so much as mentioned Joe's name, and Barbara never talked about, nor was she asked about, a second man. Really? Yeah. Really? In Frank's trial. Yet, Joe goes to his insanity trial, they deem him sane, what the fuck ever, let's get into Joe's trial. (sighs) April 12th, 1937, at trial, Joe's attorney asked that the verdict of the sanity trial be set aside and to allow the new jury to decide Joe's legal sanity, which the judge allowed. Well, like, okay. Here's what I still don't even understand. How is Joe at trial right now? I don't know. He had three psychiatrists say that he was legally not fit to stand trial. And he wasn't involved. He wasn't fucking involved. That's so obvious. Very much confirmed. He was at the very least absolutely not at the first murder. Yeah. Do you see my eye twitching? I'm pissed. <laughs> Mine's twitching too. <laughs> my eyebrow just barely was like <laughs> shuddering. This really, this That's what I really don't up. understand. How did he get here? I don't understand how he I got don't know. here. I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> and it really very much upsets me. God. Okay. Okay. 
Let's do it. Okay. The prosecution not only had to prove at this point that he had committed the crime, but also that he was legally sane, which would prove difficult because they already had the insanity trial, right? Yeah. Thank God the judge at least allowed this in the trial. There was little to no evidence connecting Joe to the crime. Just that the there there was a witness that said that he had sold a gun to Joe. Joseph. Joseph. Arity. Yeah. Can you even really use that? No. They included it. And then supposedly there was a hair at the scene of the crime. But even then, I don't think that they could really for sure say it was Joe's. It was 19, 1937. Okay. And their hair was not collected until a week after Joe's arrest. Okay. A week. And his attorney says that if the hair was Joe's, then it was not taken from the scene, but it was taken directly from Joe after his arrest. Yeah. The attorney was like, there's no fucking way you found Joe's hair at that crime scene. Well, I agree with that. Yeah. And they arrested Joe well after that crime had been committed. Fucking Christ. And if Joe's attorney is over here saying you collected that from him himself or not at all. Yeah. I don't know. That's really compelling. And I mean, back then, this is happening in, like, the 1930s, 1940s, right? Yeah. They don't really have that DNA technology to be no, like, oh, they it's do his. Not. not even kind of. Apparently, a fucking toxicologist had, like, like tested it and said that it was, like, a one in two, or a 200 to one chance that, that it, was it was his, his? Hair. Yeah. Okay, then 200 try to fucking Try another one. 199 people, then. Yeah. Fuck this. Yeah. So Sheriff Carroll, he obviously gets called to, to the stand of in course. this trial. He's charismatic. He, I guess, connects with the jury in some sort. And on the stand, he's asked to detail Joe's confession as best as he can remember. Okay. This is what he says. First off, I started by saying, well, Joe, you like the girls pretty well, don't you? And he said, yes. I said, you have had several girls during your lifetime. And he said, yes. Has he? Who fucking knows? Who knows? And also, of course he's going to like girls. Uh, I said, if you like the girls so well, why did you hurt these two girls? He said, I didn't mean to. Okay. Sheriff Carroll continues on, mocking Joe's limited vocabulary through his testimony. (gasps) Sheriff Carroll says, did you have sexual intercourse? Joe says, I don't know what you mean. Of course it fucking doesn't. What did you have? What did you do to the girls? He says, I screw him. He doesn't even know what that means. I don't think he knows. I think that- If he had, he would have been like, I screwed him. Mm-hmm. I screw him? I screw him. <sighs> he I doesn't don't... know. He doesn't know what he's saying. He really no, doesn't. I really don't think he does. I think that he spent enough time around adult men, though, to know that he can say, I screw him. Well, maybe, like, even in his, like, interrogation that wasn't recorded, like, Nobody he could have been like, oh, happened. did you screw those girls? And he could have been like, oh, I screw him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ah! yeah no that pisses me the fuck off it really fucking irritates me and this is him this is sheriff carroll just giving his testimony saying what happened oh my god the psychiatrists all three of them that testified in his insanity trial testify again all three of them stand by what they said before saying he is not legally fit to stand trial no of course he's not he's six he's six mentally he is six years old yeah A fourth doctor is brought in to help strengthen the defense's voice. So Dr. Benjamin Jefferson, who was the superintendent of the asylum where Joe had grown up. Okay. He agreed that Joe was not sane and was incapable of his actions. Thank you. I mean, kind of. Kind of. But at the same time. He shouldn't be on trial in the first place, but Mm -hmm. at least they brought in three very strong doctor saying he is not aware of what he's done if he has at all done it. And there's no evidence there to say that no he does. no evidence to say that he has. <sighs> there is hair that is one in 250% chance. Oh my god. What the fuck? I'm pissed. The prosecution brought in more police who explained how they believed that for sure Joe knew what right from wrong was. The jury deliberates for about three and a half hours before they come back with a guilty verdict. Ugh. They came back with a guilty verdict. How? If I could pinpoint each and every single fucking one of the individual jury members, <sighs> I don't want to be too harsh or anything, but I would go and severely fuck them up. I, I'm would, not, I would not kill a single soul, no. but I will fuck them up. 
Well, what the fuck? Yeah, well, I agree with them that he totally knew what was right from what was wrong. The same way a six-year-old does. The same way a six-year-old does, but that's because not he's saying, six. Yeah, that's not saying this guy understands what murder is. No, that he, this guy, you think this guy would go and hack someone up with an axe? Absolutely or not. It was the same person who killed the older ladies with the hammer and the same people with the hatchet, right? He wasn't there for the first. He wasn't one. even. shattered her wine glass. Hey, so do you guys remember when I broke that wine glass? Yeah. <laughs> that sucked. Yeah, turns out, though, look at our carpet. Stain remover works great. Shout, shout out. Yeah. Whoa. Shout, shout out. Yeah. If you guys have wine stains in your carpet, you shout. Hey, we have the darkest red wine right now, mm-hmm. right? And I shattered the whole glass. <laughs> I don't even know what happened. I was talking to you guys. I was talking to Mads. We're I don't getting know amped. I guess I just whacked my glass over. Literally, you'll see pics on the Insta. Yeah. Alright. <laughs> I fucked this wine glass up. But we cleaned it up. We cried a little. About what? And now we're ready to get back into it. So. Let's cry some more. Shatter <laughs> some more glasses. <laughs> Joe Arity was found guilty of rape and murder and was sentenced to death by gas chamber. But it is noted that Joe had absolutely no reaction in court to this verdict. Because he didn't understand. No. He did not get it. Yeah. He had no idea what was happening. When you're six, you don't grasp the concept of death like that. Mm-hmm. You don't. Especially, mm-hmm. like, when it comes to yourself. Yeah, for something that he actually didn't do. Yeah. <sighs> that he actually uh, didn't do. Okay. So the $1,000 award money that was mentioned way earlier was awarded to Chef Carol... Chef Carol. <laughs> Imagine if this whole time this guy was just a fucking chef. Chef Carol, leading the prosecution. <laughs> Sheriff. Okay. Carol. And the railroad detectives who had turned Joe over. Okay. Frank Aguilar was executed, and then Joe was scheduled to be executed October 16th. However, he was able to receive multiple stays of execution and the date was pushed back. Okay. And I'm going to tell you how that was able to happen. Because it's not like Joe had the well-being to look out for himself and try and push his executions. The warden at the jail was actually Joe's greatest asset. Like, genuinely. Okay. He hired an attorney for Joe. The warden at the prison that he was sentenced to. Mm -hmm. He hired an attorney for Joe seeing that he was not what the media and the police had made him out to be at all. The yeah. warden was like, you just sent me a child and you guys made him seem like he was the biggest threat, like he was a murderer, like he was a psychopath in the media and in court. Yeah. Everyone made it out to be like, that's what Joe Arity was. But the warden got the first hand perspective on the fact that Joe was a kid who couldn't do anything for himself, <sighs> oh who couldn't God. help it. Who was a people pleaser who just wanted to make everybody happy and tell them what they wanted to hear. Yeah. Warden hires him an attorney. He hired Gail Ireland, who was a, like, big-time attorney at the time. And he fought hard on Joe's insanity issue. He was like, he should have never gone to trial in the first place. Of course not. Not at all. He should... Literally, based off of that insanity trial, he should have been deemed insane and not able to stand trial. He shouldn't have even gone to trial in the first place. That's my standpoint as well. He shouldn't have either. But because he was in the situation, he should have at least been given the insanity. Fuck. Right? Okay. Inevitably, his attempts were futile. Like, they didn't do anything. He was able to suspend Joe's execution those nine times, which left Joe a year and a half that he spent on death row. Honestly, it's not that much of a surprise, but Joe really enjoyed death row. He just played. He entertained himself, much like a child would. He would use his metal dinner plate as, like, a little mirror. He would polish it and use it as a mirror and just make funny faces at himself and talk to himself. Honestly, like, this is so sad to me, but, like, when I, like, hear, like, when I, like, did the research, like, I'm crying. Yeah. But when I did the research, like, it very much reminded me of my four-year-old nephew playing. Yeah. Like, like the way that Joe Arity, a 23-year-old man, mm-hmm. played in his cell on death row is very much like my four-year-old nephew plays just because he's having fun. Yeah. And he doesn't know. And Joe Arity had no fucking idea. No, no fucking clue. So the warden would give him picture books with funny faces in them. The warden was Joe's 
friend. Like that makes me so happy to hear at least. It makes me so happy. At Joe least. would laugh and laugh at the picture books that, that the warden would give him. Yeah. His name was Warden Best, and him and his wife gave Joe a little red wind-up car and a toy train that were Joe's favorite toys. He played with them every single day. He loved them. Oh my god. The other confessed killers, like the actual supposedly stone-cold killers on death row, hmm. understood Joe and like grasped that Joe was a child and they were patient and they played with him and when joe would roll his train up like death row the other inmates would roll it back to him okay here's the thing i'm gonna cry i'm sobbing (laughs) that makes me so sad because that means the jury looked at him they said oh this is a stone cold killer and these other stone cold killers looked at him they're like oh this is a child they're like he didn't do anything wrong yeah he doesn't they were taking care of him yeah oh my god i'm gonna cry warden the warden and get the this is the thing about warden best warden best like he believed in capital and corporal punishment yeah he was he was a tough man yeah do what you're gonna do i don't judge as a warden he was a tough man but yeah. when Joe came into his picture, he was like, hold up. That's a child. He's six. Yes. And the warden saw that. And the other inmates fucking saw that. In an interview in 1938, he said, I want to live here with Warden Best. <gasps> and the reporter was like, well, don't you want to go back to your home in Grand Junction? Like the, the insane asylum? Yeah. Like, don't you want to go back to your home? To which Joe replied, I want to get a life sentence and stay here with Warden Best. At the home, the kids used to beat me. I never get in trouble here. <gasps> oh my god! Yep, and it was no. It was noted that as his execution date got closer, Joe had no idea of the impact or what it, anything really meant. He didn't realize that he was sitting there just waiting for his death. He yeah. thought he was there with Warden Best, like just having a good time. He had no Playing clue. with his fellow inmates, doing his thing. He had no idea. Oh, How was he, he going to know? no clue. I'm literally... I'm not okay. No. So I'm not okay. <laughs> so January 5th, 1939, the warden brought Joe a box of cigars and a heap of homemade candy. Aww. And Joe ate so much that his tummy hurt and he ended up giving the rest of his homemade candy to the other inmates oh on death row. Oh my god. The next day, January 6th, was his last day. For his meal, he requested ice cream. I'm gonna cry. He had a visit from his mother. His father had died previously. Okay. During which she broke into tears and he didn't understand why. The whole time he was just like, what? Like, why are you Because he doesn't understand. No, he, he doesn't. He has not. He does not have the capability to understand that today is his last day and he's being executed for a murder he didn't commit. That he did not commit. Fucking Christ. He okay. spent the entire last day smoking his cigars, playing with his favorite toy train from Warden Best, and eating ice cream. That honestly sounds like a really good last day, It though. does sound like a good last day. It really does. And he spent the day with Warden Best? Mm-hmm. Aww. When he walked down to the gas chamber, he ended up giving one of the other prisoners his toy train <gasps> to hold on to. Oh, no. And was walked to the gas chamber where he was executed. He died? No, I'm literally crying on the pod. <laughs> he was executed for this crime that he did not commit, and at no point should he have been fucking put in this situation at all. This sweet child. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. I literally can't handle it. I'm not okay. I hope you know I mean, I'm not okay. There's a little bit more, and like... Who suggested this again? <laughs> Malachi. Malachi? We're crying on the pod. <laughs> I'm like... Obviously, at this point, he's dead, so, like, it's not like it can get better, really. But it should've. I do have a little bit more to tell you about. Fucking Christ. So, Joe was buried in the prison cemetery with a motorcycle plate. Like, they literally just stamped his name into, like, a motorcycle license plate. Okay. And buried him in the prison cemetery. The day after his death, the papers reported, 23-year-old child dies for slaying. In the article, it read, He walked to his death with the faith of a child and grinned as he was strapped into the death chair. Because he didn't fucking know. No. Oh my god. (laughs) So Joe Arity had been mostly forgotten about until 1992. This happened in 1930. 
nine that he was executed. Okay. And in 1992, a sociologist, Richard Voorhees, was reading through some like old, like out of print books. And he found a poem about a warden crying over an executed prisoner. Oh, fucking Christ. So he did some research to find out who it was about, which reignited Joe Arity's story. So I'm going to read you the poem. And it's called The Clinic. And I apologize for my poem reading skills, although I think you will get the gist. Fuck. The warden wept before the lethal beans were dropped that night in the airless room. Fifty faces peering against glass screens. A clinic crowd outside the tomb. In the corridor, a toy train pursued. Its tracks passed countryside and painted station of tinny folk. Oh, okay. I don't understand. The doomed man's eyes were glued on these. He was the tearless one, who waited unknowing why the warden wept, and watched the toy train with the prisoner, who watched the train or ate or simply slept. The warden wrote a sorry letter. The man you kill tonight is six years old. He has no idea why he dies. Yet he must die in the room the state has willed. Transparent to its glassy eyes. And yet suppose no human is more than he. The highest good to which mankind attains. This dry-eyed child who watches joyously the shining speed of toy trains. What warden weeps in the stony corridor... What mournful eyes are peering through the glass? Who will ever shut a final door and watch the fume upon a face? And that is the poem that was oh. forgotten for like 50 fucking something years. Oh my fucking god. How old was he when he died? 23 when he died. Oh my god. <sighs> okay, so there's this last little bit about Joe Arity. January 7th, 2011, which is almost exactly 72 years, 72 years and a day after he was executed, the governor of Colorado, Bill Ritter, granted Joe Arity a full and unconditional posthumous pardon. Okay, well, that should have happened way before that. It should have happened before he got executed. Yeah, he should. But at (sighs) least the 2011 governor of Colorado, like, this case was brought back to him, and he, thank God, at least this guy later was like, y'all fucked up. Yeah. Everyone. So many people fucked up. You fucked up. Oh my God. You fucked up hard. At this point, an organization called the Friends of Joe Arity was created. There is a website, which I honestly encourage you all to go check out. It's called friendsofjoearity.com. Yeah. This organization was created, and together they raised enough money for a real headstone. If you remember, Uh. like, when he was buried in the prison cemetery, they put just up, like, a motorcycle license plate with his shit stamped in. They replaced it with a beautiful marble headstone that shows a picture of Joe playing with his train, his favorite train. Oh my god, I'm gonna cry. And in it is inscripted both his pardon date and the words, here lies an innocent man, along with his name, his birth, and his death date. (laughs) Oh no, I'm crying. I'm crying. Honestly, like, I'm surprised I got through this fucking story. I broke a wine glass along the way. Yeah. Terribly sad. Writing the notes for this story broke my soul. Um, he was so fucking innocent, though. I don't understand how this happened to him. I don't either. Oh, my God. <laughs> Malachi, you done got us fucked up, bro. And we're crying really <laughs> hard. <laughs> this poor man, he was so pure the whole time. But, I mean, honestly, if there's any solace to take, it's the fact that he didn't know. You know At what I mean? At the very least. Like, he literally went into that death chamber smiling. Yeah, he gave his toy train to someone. There's, like, this little part that he said, like, before he, um... As he was walking to to the gas chamber, it says, Joe stopped and gave his train to one of the other inmates, which I told you. Yeah. And as he did this, he talked about how he would soon be raising chickens and playing the harp like the Padre told me. Aww. And Warden Best proclaimed that Joe was the happiest man on death row. I don't doubt it. Strictly because he didn't understand. Well, honestly, if it makes you feel any better, like, we're sad about it, right? Oh, I'm so sad. But for <laughs> Joe, for Joe, he was just hanging out with his best friend, the warden. He was playing he with his trains. He and was the warden doing his loved shit. him. Yeah. And even the warden's wife. He was having a good time. And that's pretty much all that he was doing up until the very end. I don't think he even understood up until the very, very end. I don't I think know. he ever understood. This poor fucking man. The amount of injustice that was done to this man, I can't even comprehend it. 
Thank you, Malachi, for the absolutely <laughs> devastating story. Yeah, thanks, Malachi. <laughs> <laughs> for real, though, send us more fucking ideas, yeah. guys. What we should do is, okay, if someone sends us a story on the pod, right, mm-hmm. that we're going to do, if we cry, we owe them a sweatshirt. Oh, my God, Malachi. <laughs> looks like you're the first one, my guy, Malachi. Wait, Hang on, we're going to send you an email requesting all your deeds. Yes, and we'll send you a Crew <laughs> Triumph sweatshirt because you made us heavy Get sob ready. on the pod. I have the first one. You'll have the second, Malachi. <laughs> So, everybody else, send us fucking ideas. If you get us crying, you will receive a sweatshirt. Okay, well, with that, part two of fucking falsely accused murderers yeah, will be little, back next week. Little little did we know this episode would be wildly long. We've been yeah. crying for an hour and a half now. Yeah. I was going to do my notes, but uh, oh, I guess that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. Maddie's going to cover the Memphis Three, though. You'll know about them. Y'all yeah. know about a lot more of them. <laughs> <laughs> Next fucking week. Yep. Yep. Also, we want to hear what you guys think. Do you guys like this Sav tells a story, Maddie tells a story yeah. individual episodes? Or do you like it when we share two stories, one episode? Yeah. Genuinely let us know. We're going to post a poll on Twitter. And if you guys don't respond, we're going to assume no one loves us. We're going to sue you. Whoa. We'll take you to court. <laughs> we probably we'll won't see do that. you there. <laughs> that is me. A little extreme. <laughs> no, but please. please yeah, vote. no. Let us know though. Do you like like the the two story episodes, or do you want us to do like the full in depth on yeah. one story each episode? Yeah. Well, let, let me put know. my little poll in. I like doing like the two Tell parts me. just because we get me to too. go more in depth. Yeah, we really like like rather than trying to simplify your story yeah. to like fit in the episode we're really giving it our all yeah 100 percent. we go hard <laughs> we, go hard we smash wine glasses on this pod yep. and we burp and we snort sometimes fart have we caught when? that yet <laughs> no i am mad. fatulent you are flatulent <laughs> flatulent <sighs> i think it's time for us to like go yes. but maddie will be here next week with the memphis three yep. falsely accused murders yep and before you go, follow us on Twitter at... At Twitter, at gmail dot... Nope. Nope. What is happening? <laughs> okay. Okay. Follow us on Twitter at... Gmail.com. No. <laughs> what? Follow us on Twitter at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at... Okay, you ready? Yeah. Follow us on Twitter at... Crew Trime. Okay. Follow us on Instagram at... <laughs> crew crime podcast yep and send us an email at crew crime true crime at gmail.com and follow us on youtube if you feel like it crew crime a true crime podcast boom <laughs> yeah that's okay. what's up yep it is <laughs> follow us on those oh 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 remember we're gonna take an iq test <gasps> when we're not drunk okay so next week we'll have that iq test ready yeah that's what we're gonna start out with also i bet you all want to be our listener of the week you do i bet so send I us an email or DM or fucking anything, and you will be. We love you guys. We do love you. Bye. Bye.